Um, I'll be reading from the New Testament just as a way to help us see the way that themes in the scriptures travel across the Testaments. Tonight, we will focus on this line that says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. But I'll be reading the entirety of Psalm 23 for us tonight. Would you listen closely and carefully to this God's word to us and for us tonight? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And to listen to these words from the Apostle Paul from Philippians chapter 4. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of placing, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask that in these few moments we have together that you would be at work by the power of your spirit to shine light on these words in your word. Lord, would you shine light in places in our hearts that need these words in a particular way? And would you use these words by the power of your spirit to give us great hope in our Lord Jesus? And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Laurel, could you grab water for me? I'm sorry. My mouth is already very dry, and that's, sorry. Thank you. Um, oh, there's one right there. I didn't realize that. Sorry. Okay. So that was embarrassing. Um, thank you, Laurel. So I thought this afternoon I'd begin this sermon by giving you something of a pastoral Bible study tip. If you're ever reading a passage of scripture, and maybe it's familiar to you, and you hope to get a fresh look at it, or even if you are reading a passage of scripture and the passage seems particularly difficult and, and you're having a hard time kind of unlocking what you think is being said there, here's a little pastoral Bible study tip for what it's worth. Ask yourself this question. What, if left to my own devices, 
What do I wish this text said? What do I wish it said? And I'm going to be honest with you all. Um, This is what I wish the second half of verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is what I wish that said. Now it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. What I wish it said was, he leads me in such a way that he always shows me what path to take. But now is probably as good a time as ever to tell you that is usually not the way that the Lord leads us. Y'all, I turned 40 years old last week. And I've been walking with Jesus in a serious way for 22-ish years. And the Lord has led me with razor-sharp clarity specifically about a future decision, I think, one time. See, but this text gives us a different set of promises. And I hope by the end of our time together, you'll see that this text offers us something even better than what we wished it said. So I always try to tell you this is the main thing I want you to hear. I don't want you to miss it. If you don't hear anything else I say, you've got to hear this. But tonight, it's two things. Okay, this text has two promises. First of all, here's the the first main thing I want you to hear tonight. Don't miss this. Here's the first thing. There's two promises here. First thing, our God only leads us down paths that are good for us. The second promise that has to be attached to that promise is our God always makes whatever path walkable. He always provides for us to be able to be obedient and faithful, always. So he leads us down paths that are only good for us, and he promises to make every path walk before us. In Jesus Christ, he has assured us of these two promises. So we're going to take a look at two phrases from this verse. The phrase, paths of righteousness, and I'll try to explain it. And then the phrase, for his name's sake, and I'll try to explain that. And then I just want to apply the truths of this passage like a medicine to your heart. So that's where we're going with this tonight. So let's take a look, paths of righteousness. Look with me at verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, there's two layers to this phrase. There's two meanings. It's kind of a phrase that has a double meaning. Okay, so here's, here's meaning number one. Paths of righteousness. Some of your translations might say right paths. And this means something like right paths, correct paths, 
proper paths, good paths. To extend this to God as a perfect shepherd, paths that are for your good and flourishing. To extend the shepherding metaphor, paths that when you walk them, you will end up where you're supposed to go. You'll end up home, safe and secure. Every single path that you take, every single path that God leads us down, it will never take you down any path that is not ultimately good for you. I'll give you an example of this. Our son, Henry, and I share this with his permission. Um, our son, Henry, when he went to kindergarten, for the first few months, had a really hard time. He was so unbelievably stressed out about it. Something was happening that we found out about later that he was just worked up about it. And it was particularly, it was Tuesday, it was Tuesdays. He didn't want to go on Tuesdays, and that's a very long story for another day. And we would take him to kindergarten and we would physically push because he wouldn't get out of the carpool, which is a big pain. Because <laughs> there's only it's only there's only so long you can kind of sit in the carpool line without your kid getting out. So we would have to park, and then we'd, we'd literally push him in the doors and close the door behind him really quick while he cried. And after lots of talks with teachers and principals and all kinds of other things, and we finally arrived at the solution to the issues. But I remember telling him one time, I was looking at him in the rearview mirror, and I said to him, buddy, your daddy will never let you go into something that isn't good for you. See, I'm not the only father that leads that way. Now, when I say that the Lord only guides us down paths that are good for us, notice that I did not say preferable for us. Notice I did not say easy for us. I mean, look at what happens next, and we'll hear more about this next week, but it, it goes to a valley of the shadow of death. It's not easy for us. By the way, this is another good time to tell you that when God leads us down these paths, he normally only shows us one step at a time. So in other words, it's, it's not easy for you. See, if you're like me, you sometimes can tend to think of God as kind of the great endorser of all the things you had planned to do. That's not how he leads us. Y'all, I remember one time sitting in a counseling session, and I was sitting in a counseling session with a mentor and friend and counselor, and he was counseling me, I was the counselee, and I was explaining to him some uncertainties in my life, some things I was feeling stressed about. I was kind of pining for information related to the future with regard to God's hidden will for my life. And, and by the way, God rarely tells us anything about our future. We stress out because we think God's gonna tell us something about our future, but he normally hides those steps from us. 
So I'm, I'm talking this counseling session and I'm explaining it, the issues. And, and my counselor looks at me and he, and he says to me something so deeply dissatisfying. He says to me, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think it's just really hard. And then he said something even more dissatisfying to me. He said, but Joel, I can tell it's good for you. And then he said something slightly comforting to me. He said, and I can tell that through it, you're getting to know the Lord. And let me explain something to y'all. Say 10 years ago, I would have been very, 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 very dissatisfied with that and a little comforted. But now I'm a lot, a lot, a lot comforted by that and a little dissatisfied. See, the more you walk with the Lord, you begin to like and enjoy the way he leads us. So that's layer number one. Right paths, proper paths, correct paths, paths that are good for us. Now here's, here's the second layer of meaning here, paths of righteousness. See, the word righteousness is a loaded word in the Bible. The word righteousness is a technical term in the Bible, we might say. It's a, it's a word that comes up all kinds of times throughout the Old Testament's story. And, and righteousness has to do with things that are aligned according to God's character. So the Bible will paint this picture in our, in our hearts and for us to see that God's character is like this straight line. It's, it's a straight plumb line. And things in our world are bent out of shape, but something is righteous when it aligns with God's character. So when the psalmist, when David is telling us that God leads us down paths of righteousness, it doesn't just mean right paths that are for our good, but it also means paths that allow us to be and do and live in accordance with what aligns with his character. In other words, he makes paths straight for us so that we can walk with him and follow him faithfully down any road. There's always a way to be faithful to the Lord down any road, any road, any road. You guys are familiar with this you know, very familiar passage, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. This is what I used to think that meant. See if any of you guys can connect with this. If not, I'm okay with it just being me up here. I'm already sweating. I, I used to think what that, what that meant was when I was facing a difficult decision, I would read those verses. And then I'd close my eyes and try to think about the decision. And then I would expect God to suddenly show me which decision to make. But the promise is not trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will show you the path to take. The promise is he will make the path straight. 
He will make it walkable for you. There's, there's always a path that God leads us down that allows us to be faithful to him. When you're facing a big decision, God will rarely tell you what to decide. But instead, he will usually, after you decide, show you then what it means to be faithful. Okay, this second phrase, for his namesake, and I'll be a little more brief here. For his namesake. See, in the ancient world, a shepherd would have been judged by the shepherd's ability to get the sheep where they're supposed to go. See, in the ancient world, wealthy people owned flocks of of goats or sheep. And they would hire on a shepherd to tend to these sheep for them, to get them where they need to go, to to get them where they're supposed to go, to help them be healthy and whole and strong. And God is describing himself like that. I am the shepherd. This is what this means. I am the shepherd who has staked my very reputation on guiding you faithfully. See, See, our Lord does not want people to get the wrong idea about him. Our Lord does not want people to think that he'd be the kind of God that would allow his people, his sheep, to just sort of wander aimlessly, malnourished, wounded, falling off cliffs, going down the wrong paths. He doesn't want to be misunderstood. As a person who hates being misunderstood, I can really relate with that. I've told you guys so many times from this pulpit that the scriptures teach us that the most powerful being in all the universe is also the most kind. And let me just add a layer to that. This passage teaches us that the most powerful person, the most powerful being in all the universe is the most aware of the details of your situation and the most committed to guiding you down the right path and the most invested in your obedience to him. That's good news. If you're facing a path that you'd rather not walk, I understand that. Which what you need to know in that moment, you have a shepherd who is fully committed staking his entire reputation, sticking his neck out there, if you will, to guide you faithfully. It's like explosive truth. Change the way you see your life. It'll change the way you see the world. So right paths, proper paths, good paths, paths for your good, paths for your flourishing, paths for your wholeness paths of righteousness, paths that will help you be faithful to him no matter what. And on my way to now applying the truth of this text to your heart, let me just say to you clearly that these promises, these two promises, a path for our good, a path that's walkable, find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And let me unfold that for you. See, this is, this is Jesus we're talking about. This is crazy. This is Jesus we're talking about. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus took on human flesh. 
and entered into our situation. You heard me read it a second ago as our assurance of pardon, that we have a sympathetic high priest who's able to sympathize with us in every weakness. This is Jesus we're talking about, and the same writer of the Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ, this is Jesus we're talking about, had to learn obedience in the things that he suffered. Jesus has walked, in other words, this same road, down a road that he didn't prefer to take. It's the prayer in the garden. He didn't always know the steps. I mean, this is Jesus who says, I don't actually know when the Father will bring the end of all things according to his own authority. I'm only doing what the Father tells me by the power of the Spirit one step at a time. And this is Jesus we're talking about. And I don't know any, any, any better thing to tell you. And if you were to rattle off to Jesus your exact situation, he could look back at you and just say to you, I know. Now, he walks the road to the cross in order to secure our ultimate good. If every path that God takes us down is for our ultimate good, Jesus Christ goes to the cross to secure our ultimate good. Union with our God, forgiveness, redemption, atonement for our sin. And as if that were not good enough, Jesus promises that he'll send a comforter spirit to dwell inside of us, to be our comfort down any and every road. I don't know if this resonates with you tonight. And if it's just me, it's okay. I'm already sweating. But there comes a point in your life where it'll be a deep comfort to know that it is at least him doing the guiding and that he promises his presence with you. All right, finally, before we celebrate at this table, I just want to speak to your heart. First of all, there may be people in this room who, quite honestly, you walked in here today and you're generally speaking great with the way that the Lord has guided your life lately. You've experienced great joy, great blessing, great undeserved turns of events, kind providences from his hand that leaves you in a place of rejoicing and celebration. And to you, I say, praise God, hallelujah, rejoice and celebrate tonight. Those seasons are rare, but they're rich and they're deep and they're sweet and they have the way of carrying you through other kinds of seasons. Praise God. There might be people in this room who came into this room, and to be totally honest, you're not necessarily great with the way he's guided your life lately. And I could talk for a long, long time to you tonight, but I think I want to just say this. One thing that a shepherd would have done in the ancient world is to act as a healer. And I want you to know that the good shepherd Jesus is a healer. And more can be healed than you even know. Third, there may be people in this room that are fearful. Fearful. 
I, I think I want to tell you, you don't have to be because there is someone tending to your every move to guide you exactly where you're supposed to go. You might be anxious about the future, but there is one guiding your every move, leading you down the path you want to go. And this will not get rid of the anxious feelings. But that truth becomes the foundation, the spiritual foundation by which we begin to overcome things like stress and anxiety. That truth alone won't just solve it, but it can become the foundation by which you begin to walk. Finally, there may be people in this room that are just generally uncertain. And let me just tell you, I understand. I have uncertain things in my life personally. I have uncertain things in our life pastorally. But here's what I know. I'm paraphrasing a line from a saint of another generation. She said that you can trust an uncertain future to a very, very, very certain God. In fact, it's this God, it's this tender shepherding that's actually the most certain thing in all the world. Let's pray. Or these things are easier to talk about from a pulpit than to live and take hold of in the very real things in our life. Lord, but we acknowledge that this addresses the very real things in our life. We ask that you'd help us see. I pray that you would guide us down right paths for our good as you promised to do, and that we receive that from your hand. Lord, we pray that you would give us clear paths by which we can walk faithfully even when we can't see where we're going. Would you help us? Pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.